This is the Woodstock Public Library's podcast, sponsored by the Friends of the Woodstock Public Library. And I am Bailey. And I'm Stephanie. Today we are here with Sarah Denham from the McHenry County Conservation District. So how long have you worked at the Conservation District, Sarah? I've been with the Conservation District now over 20 years, surprisingly. It's, it's gone by a lot quicker than I expected. Yeah, and where did you work before that? I worked at a nature center down in Georgia for about seven years and did wildlife rehab, environmental education down there. Mm -hmm. And then I have family up here, so it was nice to come back and see family as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the Wildlife Resource Center? The Wildlife Resource Center uh, has got three main objectives. We do environmental education. We use permanent residents, meaning hawks and owls, mm -hmm as well as turtles and snakes in our environmental education programs. We go out to schools. A lot of times what we're talking about is incorporated into their curriculum, so it assists the teachers in, in what they're trying to get across to the students. We also have a propagation and rearing project, and we've worked with a variety of animals through the years. Right now we're emphasizing Blanding's turtles, which are an Illinois endangered species, and also smooth green snakes, which are considered a species of conservation concern by the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. And then we also do a little bit of wildlife rehabilitation, mainly emphasizing the hawks and the owls, as well as um, turtles and snakes. Coming up soon, actually, mm -hmm. in the late spring, early summer, the female turtles um, come out of the water, find a suitable spot, lay their eggs, and then they go back to the water. And then a couple of months later, those eggs hatch. And unfortunately, when they lay the eggs, there's no protection, and so they get dug up and eaten by a lot of predators. And so what we do is we actually collect the females before they lay their eggs, and we induce egg laying, um, collect the eggs, then we release the females back into their wetland, and then we'll incubate the eggs for a couple of months. And when they hatch, then we'll keep them for about 10 months, have a little bit better chance of survival. On average, what size are they when you release them? Right, they vary in size depending on how much they eat. So we can have some that are maybe 50 grams when they are released and some that are over 200 grams. So there can be a, a considerable size difference, even in the same clutch mm -hmm. size. So it gives them a little bit better shot at survival. They're not quite as bite-sized because a lot of animals will also eat baby turtles. Mm -hmm. Fox, raccoons, opossums, skunks, uh, herons, they all eat everybody eats baby turtles. And so we're trying to increase their numbers so they're not classified as an endangered species anymore. They're pretty much classified throughout their whole range. They're a very northern turtle, so they're found not much farther south than Missouri. And oh, okay. very eastern as well. Um, Missouri, Iowa is probably as far west as they go, and but they go all the way over to the east coast too. Oh, do they? I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they're more of a cold cold weather turtle, mm -hmm. surprisingly. And that they're under the water in the wintertime, and you can actually see them moving on really, really cold days under the water. As long as the water's not frozen solid, sometimes they'll just be walking around the bottom of the pond. Oh. And how long has that program been going on? Have you been raising them? Since 94 is oh, when wow. they first started um, collecting eggs, yeah. And actually, they weren't even classified as endangered back then. It's only been since uh, 1999 that they actually have been classified as endangered in Illinois. Um, one of the concerns with any wildlife is habitat that's not connected to other habitat. Mm -hmm. So they'll get hit by cars. Uh, a lot of things get hit by cars. And so by increasing the numbers in the bigger spots like Glacial Park, hopefully there, there'll be enough acreage in upland and wetlands for them to survive. Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of nesting fidelity for a lot of turtles. I've talked to people who've had snapping turtles come into their gardens because it's nice soft soil. They like the soft soil to dig in and they, every year they'll have a turtle come up and lay in the garden and then go back to the water. There's no parental care for turtles. That's mm -hmm. all they do is lay their eggs and, and walk away. And a lot of people will see snapping turtles and painted turtles come up into their yards and dig. And it depends on the soil. With your garden being nice and soft, it was easy for them to dig into it. A lot of times they'll also dig in the shoulders of roads, the gravel roads, because that's soft. Lawns, nice turf grass is really difficult for them to dig through. The, the roots of the grass mm -hmm. makes it hard for them to dig. So sometimes they have to travel over a mile to find a suitable place to lay their eggs. And that's when they end up crossing roads and, and getting squished, unfortunately. I mean, with as many summer camps as I did, only once did I find a baby turtle swimming in the creek, and it was tiny. Yeah, so. Landings turtles, what I always tell the kids when mm -hmm. they ask how big they are, just take two nickels and put two nickels in your hand, and that's how much they weigh. They're smaller than Oreo cookies. Everybody knows what a, a regular, not one of those mini bite Oreo cookies, yeah. everybody knows what the Oreo cookie sizes are, and they're smaller than that when they hatch out. And painted turtles are even smaller. Painted mm -hmm. turtles are like one nickel. And snapping turtles are about the same size as Blanny's turtles. Oh, yeah. So, Unfortunately, good snack size for a lot of animals. Absolutely. That's why we try to get them a little bit bigger mm -hmm. so they're not quite so snacky. Well, could you tell us a little bit more about the Green Snake Program? Well, uh, we got a grant, and the Green Snake Program, because their numbers have declined also due to habitat loss more than anything else, They we collected eggs. We had females collect the eggs from them and then release the females and then hatch the eggs out and we're rearing them for the same amount of time and then releasing them. It's very difficult with them because they are soft-bodied insect eaters so it's hard to get the very diet that they would normally get mm -hmm. in the wild and so uh, this upcoming year we're hoping just to incubate the eggs and release the hatchlings because a lot of times the eggs will dry out, desiccate in the oh. soils mm -hmm. um, for whatever reasons and so they won't even have a chance to hatch and they're also very very small when they hatch out a green snake isn't a very large snake and a hatchling is about a gram oh wow so yeah like you said the adult ones are pretty tall tiny too yeah right? the adults aren't very big a 20 gram snake and mm -hmm. uh, 30 so grams equals an ounce for those people who don't convert that in their head so you're talking very, very small. Mm -hmm. They're not a very uh, large snake, even as an adult. People always think snakes are really, really big, and some of them that we have around here are uh, 15 inches as an adult, and so they don't get, you know, they don't get real big. We mm -hmm. have we have a variety of snakes, but green snakes get a little bit longer, but they're not. They're very slender. They're not a very big snake. Are they bigger than little brown snakes? They they lengthwise they can, yeah. but okay. they're about the same. With wise okay. What is the biggest snake around here? The biggest snake lengthwise would be the fox snake, which it gets it can get up to six feet, but those are the records. Generally, you're going to see them four four feet or so. But uh, there's also water snakes around here that get fatter bodied, but they're not necessarily as long as that. And a lot of people confuse the fox snake with rattlesnakes because they tend to vibrate their tail like a rattlesnake does to freak you out and make you go away. But there's no rattles, there's no venom. We d we, there's never been a documented venomous snake in McHenry County. They are in Illinois, there's been um, the Massasauga, which is a rattlesnake, is found in Lake County, but it's never been documented in, in McHenry County, and it's found in southern Illinois. 
And then if you go west in Illinois, you're going to have um, timber rattlesnakes and uh, you're going to have the copperheads and the water moccasins in southern Illinois, but none of those are found around here. <laughs> I have a lot of people tell me they're seeing water moccasins, but we they are not found in northern Illinois. Those are probably just the, the midland water snake. Um, but all snakes will bite. You never pick one up because you're big and scary and they're going to bite you to make you let them go. Mm-hmm. But no venom. We know the Wildlife Resource Center does a lot with rearing and propagation of orange-throated darters. It's a fish. It's a fish. Yeah, for a couple of years, their numbers were also low, and they weren't found in a section of the nipper sink that they had been in the past. And so we collected adults and got them to spawn and then released the hatchlings. And we did that for a couple of years. It was successful because the following year they were able to um, sane up, net some of the young that had to have been from us. So they had survived, which was, mm-hmm. which was exciting because there hadn't been any in there until we released them. Were they at uh, Pleasant Valley also? They probably are. Mm-hmm. I know there's a doc- they documented the rainbow darter, which is an Illinois endangered species down there. But orange throats were probably down there as okay. well. I think it's probably the rainbow throat that I was thinking of because I thought there was an endangered fish that was Yeah, it. the rainbow darters. They're very similar in appearance, mm-hmm. um, but that one is classified as endangered in Illinois. Barn owls. <laughs> Barn owls. <laughs> Barn owls. Yes, I know you told us about that earlier. But. In uh, a few years ago, well, time flies, uh, DuPage County uh, has captive barn owls and they were laying eggs what they wanted to do was get permission from the state because the state and the federal government are the ones that regulate wildlife depending on what it is and they wanted to get permission from the state to uh, rear these babies and release them to see if we could uh, increase numbers of barn owls because barn owls at that time were actually endangered in Illinois but now they're actually classified as threatened and we up here in northern Illinois are at the very northern end of the range they don't like the cold they are actually found worldwide but they're not real common up here in northern Illinois. You go into central Illinois and southern, you're going to find them a little bit more often. So they uh, got permission, got the money for the, the transmitters to try and track them to see what was going on, and we worked with them to release some, some out of our barns up here. And so we put transmitters on them, and we tried tracking them, and we tracked them for a few days, and then they'd vanish. We had no idea what happened to them. And so this happened for a couple years. They were having the same type of issues um, at the other locations. And so finally they got the big bucks to put satellite transmitters on them because they're very expensive. <laughs> and so they put these satellite transmitters on them, and so their little uh, beacon bounces off the satellite so they can go anywhere. And what they discovered was that these birds were flying hundreds of miles a night. Some of them ended up down in Louisiana, around the Gulf of Mexico. Some of them ended up farther west in uh, the Dakotas. Some were found in Massachusetts. So they were traveling all over the place. And they had tracked one that had gone down into the Carolinas and was heading back up, but then they lost the transmitter. So they didn't know, it was through the winter, after the winter, if it was actually gonna come back up to this area or not. Um, Satellite, or the transmitter failure. So they traveled a lot farther than people had anticipated them to. So yes, that was definitely a, a very learning experience for everybody. Yeah. Just about how far they went. and Yeah, and how quickly. It, I mean, it didn't take them very long to fly that distance. <laughs> That's impressive. All. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any general wildlife advice for us? Babies are everywhere. And most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, you just leave them alone and let Mother Nature do what Mother Nature does. And 
the um, one of the real common ones that people find are rabbits. They'll, rabbits will build their nests in people's yards, right in the middle of the yard, right in the yard with a dog. And she's hoping that you know the dog won't find them. So that's usually one of the bigger ones that people come mm -hmm. across. And most of the time, you just can leave them alone, keep your dog away, and in three weeks they'll be out of the nest and hopping around and, and not an issue anymore. And then there's the baby birds. So most of the time you just leave them alone as well. Yeah. Our favorite words, leave them alone, leave them alone. Um, if they fall out of the nest, you can always put them back in the nest. The whole thing about human scent, not an issue. Uh, we always tell people when your kids stink, you still take care of them. So <laughs> even yes. if they had a really good sense of smell, they wouldn't care if they smelled like you. And a lot of animals, are in neighborhoods that the human scent is everywhere so that's really not an issue the main issue is disturbing them all the time like if you have kids going and checking on things every half hour that might keep mom away but mm -hmm. putting them back when they're out of the nest for everything is good animals that can carry them back like squirrels that follow the nest you can put them at the bottom of the tree mom will carry them back up same thing like with raccoons birds can't carry their babies so that's why you have to put them back or even make a substitute nest for them and fawns will be out there and people always think animals are abandoned when mom or dad isn't around which they're not like human parents they don't stand guard all the time but they're nearby and they know what's going on so with fawns a lot of times they'll, you'll see them they'll they'll leave them in yards what is your favorite story from working at the conservation district one of my favorite concern stories is um, a woman who called up who was deathly afraid of snakes and she saw a snake on the side of the road and she was afraid it was injured but she was too afraid to go near it but she still was concerned for its welfare so she called and and reported it and she's like you know I can't I can't go over there it's I'm just too afraid but I you know want something to be done well we went to check it out and it was a big black rubber snake and she, she was, I mean, she, her heart was in the right place, yeah. but she was so afraid she didn't want to go look at it. But, you know, so we called her back and let her know because that we, you know, we went, went out there, and checked, checked out it, out. In it but it, it just turned out to be a rubber snake. So, oh. <laughs> so yeah, it's, you know, her heart was in the right place. When she met well, yeah. And she met mm -hmm. extremely, yes, yes, she was, it was a good thing mm -hmm. because you, you don't want animals you know, hit by cars on the side of the road. So. Yeah. Uh, there's a great web page that the Illinois Department of Natural Resources and the University of Illinois Extension Service put out called Living with Wildlife. So if you just search for that on the internet, it's got a lot of information about wildlife found in your area. Also has a list of people who do wildlife rehabilitation if you come across something that is injured. It has a section of people who do um, wildlife nuisance trapping. If you've got a situation where you have a raccoon in your attic and you want some assistance getting that out, um, it's got a lot of natural history information. One of the things people are always concerned about are coyotes in the neighborhoods. And so there's a lot of information about if you see a coyote and their natural history and that kind of stuff. It's a great wealth of information. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Well, thanks, thanks for asking. It was great. Thank you.